This is Rachel Amaday. I am so glad you are here and you are listening. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through this year, I just want you to know you can reach out to me. I will pray for you. And feel free to shoot me an email. Um, let's talk about the Lord. Let's talk about scripture. Let's encourage one another. Let's become a more unified body of Christ because I really believe that unity was so important to Yeshua. He proved that with his prayer for his disciples and for the people who would come after his disciples. He wants us to be unified. We need to get rid of this concept that we are all different because we're in different denominations or we're, you know, we need to be separated because of our ideas about vaccine mandates, whatever else is keeping us divided. I promise those are the tools of the enemy. The tools of God are unifying. And I really believe the most unifying tool we have is scripture itself. If we would just get back to scripture, get back to what God really says, get rid of the man-made extra stuff that's been added on that is burdensome and difficult and blurs the lines and obscures the truth. You know, so many denominations are built on man-made ideas of scripture. They're not actually of scripture. They are man-made extra laws that have divided us into tens of thousands of denominations. And We're fighting about stuff that doesn't matter and letting things go that actually really, really do. And if we're going to be that light on a hill and we're going to be that unified, loving community that is a testimony, we've got to get back to treating each other like you want to treat a brother or sister, a real brother or sister, right? That you love, that you care about. Maybe not the unhealthy relationship you have with one of your siblings, but one in which we consider each other such family. We would do anything for each other. Um... That's who we're supposed to be. That's who we're called to be. And yes, you need to love your your siblings. Okay, just I'm not I'm not saying that that if you have a bad relationship with a sibling that you should leave it that way if you can do anything about it. I'm just saying that we need we need to be a family and a healthy family. And so this is actually one of the reasons I teach obedience and that is my theme for this podcast. Why do I teach obedience so much? Why am I talking about obedience so much? And it has to be more than just my own personal testimony. I definitely have lived sections of my life in complete disobedience to the Lord and have experienced the unbelievable destruction of those things. The absolute wreckage, the pain, the hardship, the pain I caused other people. I have been there. I have done it. And I want to just tell you, it is not good. I do not wish that sort of living on anyone. And I am so passionate about helping people get out of living that way and to start living in freedom. I I cannot tell you, the more that I learn about scripture and the more that I add into my practice in my life that is the Lord's, not man's. It's not extra. It's not burdensome. Yeshua's yoke is easy. His burden is light. That is a promise, and it is a promise that has come true in my life. I feel more free and more connected to the Lord now than I ever have. And I really feel like studying the books of the law and scripture, the first five books, the Torah, has become a key that has unlocked so much of the rest of scripture. I suddenly see the connectivity in a way I never saw before, and I see how miraculous scripture is. There is no way this many writers across this many thousands of years could have done this depth of connection, not just literal connection, but metaphorical and and numerical. I mean, it's connected and connected and connected in a way that is so miraculous. And I want everybody else to experience that. If you love the Lord, 
I want your prayer life, your uh, study life to be as exciting and on fire as it possibly can be because these are times where we need that light. So I teach obedience because in my own personal life, I've experienced such incredible freedom and beauty when I'm walking in obedience. I want to start with this concept, though, before I dig into the biblical stuff here. Grace is salvational. Obedience is relational. Okay? We can never get away from the fact that we cannot be saved by our obedience. We do not, in fact, to have the DNA of Yeshua, we are not born with it and we cannot accomplish it on our own. Okay? If we want to be in Christ, which is what Paul says over and over, in Christ, in Christ, it means we are part of him. We are the body of Christ. We are actually made of his DNA. You can't get that DNA from somebody else, like another just person right? Yeshua had to come. He had to become the second Adam. Adam was fallen. We are born with Adam's DNA. It's like a computer. You cannot fix a messed up operating system by continuing to upload the same operating system. You need access to a perfected operating system and you have to delete the old one and insert the new one. That is who Yeshua is. He is the second Adam. He alone has the DNA, okay, that allows us to be part of the first fruits of his crop, to be grafted into his tree. He alone is the DNA. You cannot do it on your own. So his grace and his mercy to us, that salvation is by faith in him alone and acceptance of his gift to us. Grace is salvational. Obedience is relational. The second that you are in Christ, you are supposed to be becoming like him, which means you are obedient to the Father as Christ was obedient to the Father, right? And and here's a here's a good analogy for you. Let's say you get married and you enter into this marital covenant, okay? But let's say, you know, that the wedding's beautiful, you have a wonderful party, all your friends are there, it's really a lot of fun. But you enter into the marriage and you realize serving another person just isn't your thing. You're not interested in really doing that. So you spend about a decade taking advantage of your spouse, spending all the money, never cleaning up after yourself. Maybe you're cheating on them. Maybe you don't ever really talk to them. You are just a horrible spouse. At what point in that marriage are you walking outside of the covenant that you entered into? And at what point in that marriage are you actually not in a relationship? In fact, at what point in that marriage do you become an abuser? It's a fair question, right? If we're the bride of Christ, we cannot walk, Hebrews tells us this, to walk into that grace and then to trample all over that, over that grace is going to enrage the Holy Spirit. This is something in Hebrews we are told. You are going to enrage the Holy Spirit by trampling upon that grace. You become that horrible spouse, you, your relationship is messed up, okay? Obedience is relational. We don't obey the Lord for salvation, we obey because of salvation. You entered a relationship with the Lord. We are supposed to adore our King. We love Him. And therefore, we should love His ways. We should love His letter to us. We should be interested in what He has written. And we should be curious about what it means to live as a citizen of His kingdom. Okay, so my book really goes into and reveals some of the areas the church has laid a heavy yoke on congregants with extra stuff that Yeshua, our groom, did not ask of us, teaching man-made laws as God's, but then vice versa, also abandoning God's laws and abandoning some of the covenant relational aspects that Yeshua asked us to participate in. 
I really believe this mixing of man-made ideas with God's ideas has left Christianity bereft of the power and blessing of a truly obedient ministry for way too long in the United States. I feel like it's left a gaping hole where the culture can no longer tell the difference between believers and non-believers by their behavior. We have no, no boundaries very often anymore, and we don't live in a way that looks different to an outsider. You can say you're different, we're, you know, we're kind of left only with our proclamation that we're believers and our niceness way too much of the time. And that is not enough, right? It really makes it hard to have that testimony and to constantly be able to speak about the Lord. You know, I know people who will wear t-shirts about Jesus just to start conversations with people to have that testimony. But we don't have to go to those sorts of extremes. If we align ourselves in obedience to the Lord, our lives are going to look really different. And we're going to have real conversations with people. As a musician who plays a lot of gigs, used to play a lot of gigs before COVID, with non-believers, so much of what God has asked me to do in obedience to him caused those conversations to come up at gig after gig after gig. And and I get into that in my book. So we just niceness is not the fullness of the testimony of a follower of Yeshua. You can be nice all the all day long. There are a lot of really nice atheists too. And if the world cannot see the difference between the two of you and cannot see what you stand for, they're going to wonder what is the point of your God as they should, rightly so. So be ready for the book to dig into that in more detail. In the meantime, why is understanding the walk of Yeshua in obedience so important? Number one, like I said, the Great Commission. We talked about that. Our call is to go and teach others to obey what God has commanded. That is literally one of the last things Yeshua said to his followers before he left the earth. That is part of our call. Number two, there is this really terrifying verse in Matthew, and it should scare all of us, and it scares me quite often, not in a bad way, but in a, in a motivational sense of just, I really am interested in learning who Yeshua is and what he, how his kingdom principles operate. Yeshua tells the story of people who come to him saying they did many things in their, in his name. So there, there are going to be a group of people in the end who will come to him and say, Lord, we called you Lord. We got rid of de- demons in your name. We did miracles in your name. I mean, look at all the amazing things. We probably fed the poor in your name. Look at what we did in your name. And he's going to say to them, I never knew you. Get away from me, you workers of lawlessness. Whew. It's chilling. That is a chilling prophecy that Yeshua tells us about. And one has to ask, what is lawlessness? Well, he's saying, hey, you may have done a lot of great things in my name, but you did not care for my laws. I don't know you. We're not in relationship. Here's the thing. Grace is salvational. Obedience is relational. If you are unwilling to obey the Lord, you are not in relationship with the Lord. And eventually that puts you in a very precarious position. I'm going to read this to you from Micah 4. It says, in the last days. Okay, so we know what time period 
Micah is telling us about. The mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and peoples will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. The law? What law? Well, in Micah's time, and actually in the time of the New Testament as well, every time they say the law, okay, that not Paul, okay, we'll talk about Paul in my book and Paul's seven different laws that he talks about. But when the New Testament says scripture or word or law, guess what they're talking about? The only scripture or word or law that was written at the time, and that happens to be the Torah, okay? That's all they had. Micah says that in the end of days, God's going to teach us his ways so that we can walk in them and that his law, his Torah, is going to go out from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, that God is going to teach us his law in the end of days. It has not passed away. It was not nailed to the cross, so to speak. It will be what we will learn and abide by even when Yeshua is reigning on the earth in the end. He will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid, for the Lord Almighty has spoken. All the nations may walk in the name of their gods, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. What a promise. Part of this beautiful, good promise is that the law of God will once again be established upon the earth, and it will be through Yeshua, the King, the Lord God Almighty. He will restore his law to the peoples of the earth. There's another prophecy, I believe it's in Isaiah, that says, when Yeshua is reigning from Jerusalem, all the people will go to Jerusalem to celebrate one of the feast days called Sukkot. It's called the Feast of Tabernacles, and those who do not go to Jerusalem to celebrate, will have no rain on their land. This will be a serious, serious offense. How can that be happening in the end of days? And it happened in the Old Testament, you know, according to most theologians. But somehow in the New Testament till now, it's not supposed to happen. This is my question to you. And I get into this. I get into this into my book, okay? We have got to talk about obedience and ridding ourselves of the things that are man-made and made up and realigning with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the God of the Bible and Yeshua, who we see acting these things out in obedience. We see it and we see it and we see it and we're blind to it because we have the lenses on of doctrines that are man-made and we've got to get back to scripture. You know, I talk about unity among God's people. We have got to get back to unity. We must be unified and let's unify around this. We love God's word. Let's study it. Let's find out what it means to be obedient to this God so that we are in relationship with him. We're not wandering around outside grasping at the concept, well, I've got salvation, but I literally don't know how to do anything else. That is not God's destiny for you. He has a powerful ministry for you and he cares that you're in relationship with him. And no, we're not going to do it perfectly. But with Yeshua's help, we can do it. Right? That's the promise. 
He's a good father. When he says, come follow me, he believes that you can. He believes that with his help, you can follow him. He would not ask you to do something with, without his help, number one. And number two, he would not ask you to do something that you weren't going to be capable of with his help. Only a bad father asks their children to do something they can't do and then punishes them when they fail. That is an evil father. That is not the father that we find in the Bible. He did not ask his children to be obedient, expecting that they could not, and then come up with punishments for their disobedience. That is manipulative. That is not what is happening in scripture. Obedience to the Lord brings blessing, and that is what God wants to do. He wants to bless you. You're his kid. He adores you. He wants you to be free from destruction and traps. He wants to give you the ministry that you are destined to have. You mean something to this God, and that is why he has given you instruction. And yes, that instruction reveals that you can't do it without him, but it also is the route to stay out of the traps of the world. With Yeshua, You are empowered to have an obedient ministry and a loving one at that, one where you are free because God's ways are not burdensome. And I just have to say amen to that. May it be so in your life. Um, I, I hope, you know, whatever I've said in this podcast, if you have questions, feel free to reach out. Know that I am digging into this very much so in depth, only trying to use scripture and scripture and scripture and scripture to prove itself so that you can go to your own Bible and see it. You don't have to go to other people to see it. You don't have to go find some man-made doctrine to see it. You will be able to read it in your own Bible, in your own house, and you will say, aha, there it is. It's in scripture. This belongs to the Lord. We have got to get back to our unifier, and that is God and his word. I love you guys. I pray that the Holy Spirit blesses you this week and during this time. Um, I am praying for you. Thank you for listening.